Was America founded as a Christian nation? Was our nation founded for religious freedom? The answers may surprise you. We'll discuss it and the Bill of Rights with constitutional lawyer and author Michael Ferris. And we'll talk about the latest in the creation-evolution debate. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. I could either try to talk him out of it or leave. Those are the choices. All right, that's Attorney General Designate Michael Mukasey. He's talking to the Senate Judiciary Committee, and they were asking him if the president planned to go against his advice and violate the Constitution. Of course, they're concerned about the war on terrorism and uh, listening in and spying and so forth. And does this violate constitutional liberties? Well, in fact, today we're going to be talking about those constitutional liberties, the freedom of religion, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly. We're going to be talking uh, with Michael Ferris, and you've heard about him, of course, uh, in the homeschool movement. He's chancellor of Patrick Henry College. But we're going to talk about uh, a kind of an irony, and that is that our religious freedom is rooted in a history of religious persecution. It's a fascinating story. Don't miss that in 15 minutes. Well, uh, yesterday, great interview, Dr. Johnson, with uh, Princeton professor uh, Peter Singer, but I heard him say he doesn't (laughs) believe Genesis, and he says that we evolved with animals. (laughs) So today we're going to talk later in the program about our origins with Terry Mortensen from Answers in Genesis. There is a creation conference coming up later this month here in North Texas. We'll talk about that and why it's important to understand we are not descended from apes or amoebas. All right. I said several months ago, Pinna, that uh, I had heard that Rick Perry's relatives were working for Rudy Giuliani mm-hmm. here in Texas. I think the sister leading the Giuliani effort in Texas. Today, a breaking news story, Governor Rick Perry of Texas endorsing Rudy Giuliani as the next president of the United States. What do you think of that? I'm opening up the lines. 1-800-881-9270. Does this change your opinion? The governor of Texas, the Republican governor of Texas, is endorsing Rudy Giuliani. The number is 800-881-9270. Now, you know that Rudy is pro-choice or effectively pro-abortion, pro-homosexual marriage. and uh, But Rick Perry said, look, I ask him one thing. I ask him this. What kind of judges are you going to report, uh, recommend, and nominate? 
And Rudy Giuliani said, I like John Roberts and Antonin Scalia and Sam Alito. That's the kind of judge. Of course, they're all pro-life or at least uh, constitutionalist and uh, would go with the original understanding like Bork would. And uh, so Perry says that they're going to be for uh, overturning Roe Wade. I'm fine with that. And that is a Giuliani strategy. We've seen the pattern Mm -hmm. of that in the last month or two that Rudy's answer to uh, pro-lifers is, well, I'll appoint pro-life judges. But we have played many times on this program sound from Rudy where he says he believes in a woman's right of choice and that he believes in taxpayer abortions, taxpayer-funded abortions, and that's a right to get that funded. So we want to know what you think. 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. And I want to remind you of some sound we played yesterday. You need to hear this again because we know Rudy is pro-abortion, pro-homosexual marriage, and pro-illegal immigration effectively. It's the way he ran his city in New York. And he's wrong on guns, I, I believe. But everybody's saying he's he's a fiscal conservative. He got into the debate with Romney about who is spending more or less, who is taxing more or less. And Rudy is campaigning as a fiscal conservative. Here again is sound from Rudy Giuliani in 1994. Listen to Rudy. I am well aware of the risk that I take as a Republican mayor endorsing a Democratic governor. But I've concluded that the risk is worth taking for the sake of the city of New York and the state of New York. Mario Cuomo will simply be a better governor than George Pataki. Bluntly, what is Mr. Pataki's consummate flaw? He has uh, plans to reduce taxes that are so ambitious and so uh, inconsistent with the performance of the economy of this state. In your mind, that's a no-no. It would be a disaster. It would be an absolute disaster. It would be the kind of tax shift that substitutes uh, for sound management. Okay, that's 1994. Rudy Giuliani endorsing Mario Cuomo, an extreme liberal, over the Republican candidate Pataki. Ask why, he said, because Pataki would cut taxes. And so that doesn't sound like a fiscal conservative to me. And uh, so I think Rudy seems to be wrong on so many of the issues. I'm very surprised at the governor, although we had heard this on the grapevine. We mentioned it on the program several months ago. Today, Governor Rick Perry endorsing Rudy Giuliani for president. We want to know what you think. 800-881-9270. we got a caller on the line, Raylan from Denton. Raylan, what do you think of this endorsement? I think it's disgusting. Why? I I think... uh, well, Giuliani is not pro-life. He has supported liberal causes, and I think he's saying what he thinks he needs to say to get people to support him, but then he'll go along and do whatever he pleases and whatever he's done mm. in the past. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's disgusting, and I don't think Rick Perry should run for governor again. Well, it makes you wonder how deep his convictions go on some of these social issues. I don't think Rick Perry is planning to run for governor again. Of course, some people have said that he'd love to be nominated uh, to be on the Republican ticket with someone, although the news report today about his support of Rudy Giuliani, he specifically 
said and maintained that that was not the case, that he's not looking for a VP uh, nomination to be picked for a vice president. But when you look at Rudy Giuliani, uh, I think he's been very clear that he's not pro-life. I don't think he's tried to present himself as any other way. But this whole idea of just saying this about judges, I think it's very vague. And, you know, the judges that he appointed in New York, most of them were liberals. Now, in New York, there are a lot of liberals, and there are a lot of liberals in uh, legal uh, circles. So he had probably that was the pool he had to appoint from. But still, he hasn't proven that he even knows what a strict constructionist judge is to appoint. And when, you know, Bush said the same thing. He said Alito and Thomas, I mean, he said Thomas and Scalia. And he did appoint Roberts, but he also appointed Harriet Myers and tried to get her by. Attorney General. Oh, it's Supreme uh, Court, you're right. For for the Supreme Court. So in a sense, I don't think you can use that as your pro-life criteria. Mm. That is just not enough to say that the pro-life agenda will be advanced in any way, mm-hmm. shape, or form. And a president has a lot to say about mm-hmm. it. He can veto bad bills. He can have a bully pulpit, uh, pulpit to push good bills. And there are certain orders, like the Mexico City policy, with regard to foreign abortion funding and funding of international mm-hmm. Planned Parenthood, that he can actually um, mm-hmm. uh, rescind or enact. And every president makes a decision about that policy. So hard to get so appointments right. Yeah. It really is. I heard Radian Rogers say years ago about Southern Baptist Convention appointments. A-class leaders pick A-class appointments, but B-class leaders pick C-class appointments. And it's very interesting that President Bush's father and other Republican leaders have misfired on appointments with Souter, with Kennedy. Even when they are trying, they think, or everybody thinks they're trying to get conservatives, they misfire. It's hard enough for a conservative to fire right. I don't think Giuliani is really going to be focused on getting it right. We've got Joe on the line from Fort Worth. Joe, thank you for calling and holding. What's your view? Um, My view is um, that Rick Perry has proven over and over that he's not a friend of the people. He's a professional politician. Mm -hmm. Um, In my opinion, Giuliani thinking that he's got Rick Perry on his side is a mistake because uh, I can't see his word. That does him a lot of good. In the past, we've had bills in front of our own state congress that were passed, by the way, a bill that um, would make insurance companies responsible for the way they deal with medical. And, um, of course, Rick Perry vetoed that. So that made him not a friend of the people. And then this new highway coming into our state, which, in my opinion, is not good for the people. Rick Perry, once again, is for it. So... One more time, Rick Perry is showing that he is not a friend of the people. Hey, thanks so much, Joe, for that call. You know, we reported several months ago that Rick Perry might be Rudy's VP candidate Mm -hmm. because it would help him with the Southern vote. And, of course, there's a disclaimer today in this press release that, that Perry is interested in a VP position. But I believe that when it's all said and done. And we got Dave on the line from Dallas. Dave, thank you for calling and holding. What's your view? Hi, Dr. Johnson. Um, let me just make this real simple. I don't know how I'm supposed to believe Rudy Giuliani as a liberal, as a pro-abortion person, private citizen, would vote to or appoint judges that are pro-life. That's like me believing Dr. Johnson, you, would appoint pro-abortion judges. <laughs> right. Yeah. I agree. I mean, that, that, I mean, I was I was born at night, but not last night. Remember that old <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, run from this guy. Run yeah, if, if he says he believes in a woman's fundamental right of choice, and not only that, 
He believes the government has to fund that. He said that for poor women. If he really believes that's a fundamental right, why would he appoint people like Alito or Scalia? Why would he do that? And that would mean that he's not a man of conviction or a man of principles. And uh, when you listen to that campaign ad or announcement in 1994, and he says he is against tax cutting, he is against uh, Pataki because Cuomo would... um, tax and spend more than Pataki. It's just incredible. You know, uh, there was a piece that came out today uh, in the New York Observer, and uh, even the uh, folks in New York, like Charles Rangel, who's a very liberal congressman there in New York, they're shocked. They're really surprised that Rudy Giuliani is so high in the polls and that, you know, the Republicans have elevated him to this point so far. And they also bring up um, the distant relationship between him and his children, and you know, which is really kind of interesting that your family isn't even behind you. I mean, I think that's really important. His son, Andrew Giuliani, of course, is basically not talking to him. And uh, he's saying, well, why not? There was an ugly bust-up between Giuliani and uh, Donna Hanover, his former wife. Uh, sons respect and admire their fathers because they love their mothers. And I'll, I won't even say the rest. Well, you know, it's, it's really interesting that Dr. Radio. Richard Land, uh, when he speaks about this, it's it's not just about the issues for him. It is about Giuliani's personal life mm-hmm. and uh, the way he treated his wife and announcing that he was leaving her at a press conference, uh, essentially. And Land yeah. says, you know, we just can't uh, support someone who would, would do that kind of a thing. Very interesting. Uh, here is the sound from Rudy Giuliani on abortion. There must be public funding for abortions for poor women. We cannot deny any woman the right to make her own decision. All right, there it is. Rudy on that right. We've got one more caller. Uh, Charlie on the line from Denton. Charlie, thank you for calling. What's your view? Thank you very much. Uh, concerning Giuliani and uh, Rick Perry, to me that's forming strange bedfellows. I don't think that Perry would want to run in the capacity of a VP, but just maybe he thinks that Giuliani is going to win, and maybe he has his eyes set on some other cabinet position. Yeah, he may want a cabinet post. You may be right. Hey, let's go quickly to David in Dallas. we got just 15 seconds, David. What's your thought? I um, I just think that people are quick to bash Giuliani. He is not pro-abortion. He's pro the government staying out of people's lives. Well, he wants uh, to fund those abortions. We've got to go, David. But uh, you call back on another day when I have more time. I hate to cut you short, but he wants to fund those abortions for poor women. That's not the government staying out of the abortion business. Well, President Bush today warned of World War III if Iran goes nuclear. Tomorrow we're going to have... John Bolton, former U.N. ambassador, to talk about that. So tune in tomorrow and Ann Coulter. But coming up, the First Amendment, the freedom of speech, freedom of religion, where do these come from? If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. 
Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. All right, have you seen Ann Coulter in the news this week? She is saying that Jewish people need to be perfected and to receive Jesus. Well, we're going to talk to Ann Coulter tomorrow night. She'll be on live tomorrow night. Do not miss that program. Also today, President Bush warning in his press conference of World War III if Iran goes nuclear. We're going to have John Bolton, former U.N. ambassador from the United States, on to talk about Iran, Iraq, and North Korea, and China. You do not want to miss tomorrow night. It's going to be a blockbuster kind of a program. I'm really excited about it. But today, Attorney General-designate Michael Mukasey told the Senate Judiciary Committee he's going to try to balance national security, i.e. spying programs, with civil liberties. Protecting civil liberties and people's confidence that those liberties are protected is a part of protecting national security, just as is the gathering of intelligence to defend us from those who believe it is their duty to make war on us. We have to succeed at both. All right, the Declaration, and particularly the Bill of Rights, uh, guarantees Americans unique freedoms, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly. And uh, where do these rights come from anyway? That's what we're going to talk about right now. And we're going to talk about it with Michael Ferris. He is chairman and general counsel of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. A lot of you know him from that, but he's also chancellor of Patrick Henry College. He's a constitutional lawyer, pro-family activist on Capitol Hill, and an ordained minister, and he's author of a new book, From Tyndale to Madison, How the Death of an English Martyr Led to the American Bill of Rights. Really, really comprehensive book uh, on the roots of religious freedom in America. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Penna. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, Dr. Johnson. Yes. Michael, uh, when we look at uh, the roots and the founding of our nation, a lot of people say, well, America is a Christian nation. At least we were founded to be a Christian nation. Is that the case? Well, it depends on if you're talking about the colonial period or 1776, and it also depends on your definition of Christian nation. Um, Most of us today think of a Christian nation as having... um, biblically-based moral principles embedded in our government, uh, a desire for religious liberty, uh, a desire to uh, be a a nation under God in a generalized sense. And in that sense, yes. But in the sense that was meant at the time, when when it was talked about a Christian nation then, uh, it was a nation that was forced everyone to be a member of the official church uh, upon penalty of law, and sometimes those penalties included very severe penalties, including death. So that's really what our founders were trying to get away from. Exactly. They, they wanted a free nation, and the reason they wanted a free nation is because the important portion of them were Christians. Not everybody was a Christian, but the leadership was influenced by 
a brand of Christianity that was a little different than that, that brand that wanted to coerce everyone. Michael, why is it important for us today to understand this? Because I think a lot of people do misunderstand it. Well, we uh, need to understand it. We also need to tell the truth about it because, you know, some of the persecutors were professing Christians and the people who were on the right side were also professing Christians. But the, the secularist crowd, including the current atheist movement, want to claim that everything that's good in America came from uh, the atheist side of things. And they, and they want to portray, portray Christians as dangerous to everyone's liberty, that, that we really don't believe in liberty for everybody. Uh, if we uh, succeed in our goal to return America to its foundational principles, to the godly values that we started with, it will mean that we uh, you know, shut down other people's right to believe in. Just the opposite is true, that, it, that we need to know the history. We need to know that the freedom came from the people who believed that you got saved by believing in Jesus as an individual, not through some coercive act of government. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Michael Ferris. He's written the book, From Tyndale to Madison, How the Death of an English Martyr Led to the American Bill of Rights. Now, Michael, we enjoy unique rights as Americans, um, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to assemble, freedom of the press, the right to keep and bear arms, so on and so forth. And I, I want to pick up on that title because I think it's fascinating. Would you just talk to us about uh, the historical development of, of those freedoms? And you go all the way back from Tyndale, so set this up for us. Well, William Tyndale, of course, was the uh, great Bible translator who uh, once declared that before his life would pass, the boy that drives the plow would know more of the Scripture than the average cleric in those days. And wow. in order to accomplish that, a revolution had to occur. First of all, we had to get the Bible from the uh, original languages into English, and that was the task that Tyndale took on. And then we had to be able to get it into common uh, people's hands. They had to be able to read it. We had to change the law that made it illegal to translate it, illegal to own even a single verse of the Bible in English. Um, and the culture would have to change. All kinds of things would have to change. But the legal political system in particular would have to change to be able to let the, the plowboys have the Scripture for themselves. And Tyndale's motivation was he wanted the average man to have the Bible to, to be able to check on the things he was being taught at church in the spirit of the Bereans to see if these things be so, right, to right. check out what he was being taught. And he understood the legal and political implications of what he was doing. Maybe not completely, but he had a pretty good idea that the world would have to change. And he set about to do it. And it, it took 250 years for it to fully be accomplished. Um, and we, So that was, was the seed, really. The that was the seed to uh, move away from a state church or a church state um, way of thinking. Exactly. Uh, People believed that um, a nation had to be uniform in its belief or else it was a failure from a Christian perspective. And it was based on theology where Christianity was much more uh, about ceremonies than it was about a personal relationship with Jesus. And, and there were a lot of people that uh, were you know, leaders of, of the Reformation and so on that were very um, much on the side of persecution. Unfortunately, um, you know, those things did happen, and we've got to tell the truth about them, but there was always a remnant 
who believed that salvation came through a personal relationship with Jesus and that the state couldn't coerce it and ceremonies wouldn't make it. So, you know, there were uh, heroes along the way, but most of them we've never heard of because they were the uh, low men on the totem pole on the socioeconomic scale for the most part. Uh, let me ask you this question because we had Alan Dershowitz on the program a couple of weeks ago and uh, we were asking him about the rights that we enjoy, particularly uh, in the Bill of Rights and in the Declaration, and where those rights come from, according to the Declaration. He was very hesitant to say um, where they came from. He said, well, nature. And, and I said, well, what about the word creator? And I guess this is what I want you to talk about, is the unique American idea that the rights, the right to life, the right to freedom or liberty and the pursuit of happiness, that these are rights given to us by God himself, not from government. Government can't give them. Government can't take them away. Could you just talk about that idea in the founders, particularly? Well, there is no doubt that the founders believe that the rights came from God, and not in some abstract naturalist sense. But they were referring to the Bible. They got these ideas from the Bible itself. And the uh, idea that the, the individual soul is responsible to God, it was, you know, these were debates carried on a theological basis. They were debating the parable of the tares, and they were debating um, other scriptural principles and, and stories of why was, were Ananias and Sapphira killed, and all these kinds of things. It was a Bible debate. It was about the meaning of the Word of God and whether God was a God of liberty or whether God was a God of coercion. And, and so it was, it was all about the Bible. I mean, there, there wasn't even a, a, a close second on, on the issue. And so to say that this wasn't a, view, a God-centered, Bible-centered debate simply is to ignore the very explicit facts of history and try to gloss over it with a bunch of generalities. Our guest is Michael Ferris, and he's got a great book out, uh, and it's called From Tyndale to Madison. And you have uh, basically described uh, in our interview and also in your book Tyndale. But let's fast forward now to Madison and talk about the Bill of Rights and why he found it so important to add these uh, rights for Americans to the Constitution. Well, there are two threads of Madison's life. One is that he was a student at... Uh, College of Princeton, which is now known, or College of New Jersey, now known as Princeton University, where John Witherspoon was uh, the president of the college, and, and under his tutelage, he got a good Bible-centered education and, and was taught on the principles of religious liberty, uh, which we go into in detail in the book. But he also saw the persecution of the Baptists back in, in Orange County, Virginia, and the surrounding counties where he, he was from, and he hated it. He hated mm what was going on, and Madison the Anglican formed a long-term political partnership with John Leland and other Baptist pastors from the area. They eventually uh, convinced Madison that he was wrong about his desire to have a constitution and didn't think that we really needed a Bill of Rights. And Madison made particular promises to the pastors uh, there when he was campaigning for Congress, uh, for the first Congress, and but for James Leland insisting that Madison support the Bill of Rights, Madison would not have been elected to Congress, and if we didn't have Madison in the first Congress, there is absolutely no doubt that the Bill of Rights would have never happened. And so Madison had mm. been their friend and pushed through 
uh, religious liberty provision in the 1776 Virginia Bill of Rights, and he had pushed through and helped Jefferson on the Virginia Statute on Religious Liberty in the early 1780s. And so Madison was their true friend, but just on the federal level, he didn't really understand the need for the Bill of Rights initially, but the Baptist made sure he did. And the Baptist, I like that. <laughs> I like that. The Baptist helped him understand the importance Absolutely. of religious liberty. Michael, we're just out of time. I'm so sorry. Uh, we'll have you back. It's always good to have you on the program. Well, the book, Greg. From Tyndale to Madison. When we come back, we're going to talk about creation versus evolution. What is the evidence? You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Well, I want to remind you that President Bush said today that if Iran goes nuclear, we're going to have World War III. That's ominous talk. Well, tomorrow night we're going to have former U.N. ambassador from the United States, John Bolton. He'll be on this program tomorrow night along with Ann Coulter. So it's going to be a fascinating program. Tune in tomorrow night. But yesterday we interviewed Princeton ethicist Peter Singer. Now, we always sang on this program that ideas have consequences. And some people may think, if you believe in evolution, that's no big deal. Um, you'll live pretty much like someone who believes in creation. But Peter Singer was very clear yesterday that the current ethic of sanctity of human life that informs Western culture and science and health care is based upon creation in the image of God from Genesis 1. But Singer says, ever since Darwin, we know that's not true. We're not created in God's image. We are evolved from animals. And I know many of you just couldn't stand listening to him say all of that. Maybe I didn't interrupt enough. Well, we're going to cover some of it again today. Uh, but here's some of that sound when I ask Peter Singer whether human beings were created in God's image and whether or not his view pulls human beings down to the level of animals. I think they should be judged on the same basis, uh, whether that's dragging humans down. I mean, I guess it is, you know, if you really believe that uh, there is a God and that humans were made in his image, then I certainly deny that. Um, yeah. I don't think that's true. I, think I do believe it. Over, well, <laughs> I mean, my view is that if you just sure. look, at, look at the science here, um, mm -hmm. it's pretty clear that that's not the case. There's an overwhelming amount of science to support the idea that we have gradually evolved uh, from uh, other animals, that we are not a special creation in that sense. All right, so there's Peter Singer, and I was making the point that the human, the, excuse me, the animal rights movement is not lifting up animals to the level of humans, but dragging humans down to the level of animals, and they do it by way of atheistic evolution. Well, with us to talk about it is Dr. Terry Mortensen, and he holds the Ph.D. degree from Coventry University in the United Kingdom. He also works with the group Answers in Genesis. In fact, they're having a conference coming up right here in the metro area, October 26 and 27 at Richland Baptist Church. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, welcome to the program, Dr. Mortensen. Good to be with you, Dr. Johnson. Hey, Dr. Mortensen, I wonder if you heard that quote. I'm going to ask you uh, about it because Peter Singer said, look, um, 
We have science. Of course, anytime anybody plays that card, you know, well, they played a Trump card. And he said, the evidence is mounting that we have gradually evolved from animals. And I'd like you just to address that claim straight on. What is the evidence for and against human evolution from animals? Well, uh, the, the evidence that we are presented with is uh, a number of fossils, they're few in number, that have supposedly, or it is claimed, some ape-like characteristics. But the history of this idea of human evolution over the last uh, 150 years or so has been littered with uh, misidentification of fossils, even frauds. The famous Piltdown Man of 1912 was a deliberate fraud, and they reconstructed the whole creature from a few fragments of jaw and uh, skull and uh, a few teeth, and it was just a complete fraud. It took uh, 40 years to to discover that fraud. Uh, Nebraska man was used at the famous Scopes Evolution Trial in Dayton, Tennessee in 1925, which made creationists look like idiots. Now, wasn't that just built up from a tooth of a pig or something? That like? was exactly right. It was a tooth that was found in 1922. In 1928, uh, in 22, they said this was from a, an ape man, and they, they had <laughs> in the Illustrated London News, they had a picture of the guy with his wife and what they were doing when he lost his tooth. And and six years later, they said, oops, we made a mistake. That was uh, the tooth of an extinct pig. So, but there have been many, many such claims through the years. Uh, evolutionists are claiming that Lucy, the Australopithecine, is, is a, an ancestor in our evolutionary tree. But uh, she is a, a pygmy chimp, and many evolutionists would uh, say that that's what she is. And, so you and would they, say that, look, these supposed links are either human or they're ape or chimp. They're not uh, indeed a cross or a missing link. Or That's right. Like There's that. only three ways to make an ape man. You either take a, f- a few bits of ape fossil and mix them with a few bits of human fossil, <laughs> or you take a few bits of ape fossil and add imagination, or you take a few bits of human fossil and add imagination. Hey, that's what National Geographic had with that uh, Archaeoraptics from China. They had a, that, they had right. a, uh, the feathers and the dinosaurs mixed that, together. That's right. Well, let me ask you this one other idea, because kind of fast-forwarding to modern sort of discoveries, a lot of times they'll lay this on us. They'll say, look, this chimpanzee DNA is 98 or 99 percent in common with humans, and that proves some kind of common ancestry or evolution. How do you react to that sort of a scientific claim? Well, I was just talking to uh, one of our scientists in our office today about that very question. He's Professor Emeritus of uh, Human Anatomy at uh, Washington Medical School in St. Louis, and he uh, clarified for me that the uh, supposed uh, 94 or 98% similarity of... uh, chimp and human DNA is only based on comparing the 4% yes. or so of the human genome that we, uh, that we know and understand. Most of the human genome is what scientists 10 or 15 years ago called junk DNA. They don't call it that anymore because they know that it does, uh, they, there's good evidence that it does have a function, but as yet, we don't really know very much about the function of that 96% of the human genome. So they're really comparing a very small 
section of the human genome with the uh, with the ape. Dr. Terry Mortensen is with us. He's with Answers in Genesis. And uh, Dr. Mortensen, you've got this conference coming up uh, Friday, October 26th, Saturday, October 27th, here in the Metroplex at Richland Baptist Church. What are you going to uh, present there that ought to be uh, interesting to Christians and others? Uh, on Friday night, I'm going to begin with a talk, Creation or Evolution, Does It Matter? A lot of Christians and a lot of non-Christians don't really understand um, the implications of what we believe about or our origins. And so I'm going to be uh, talking about that. Then in the second session, I'm going to talk about where did this millions of years idea come from? Uh, it's really a relatively recent idea in terms of popularity, going back about 200 years. At talking the about the debate between old and young Earth? Right. And we need to, what I'm going to show is that the millions of years idea did not come from letting the rocks and the fossils speak for themselves. It came from anti-biblical assumptions that were used to interpret the rocks and the fossils. In essence, you have to have millions or billions of years if you're going to even try to come up with some uh, atheistic, Darwinistic type of uh, evolutionary scheme. You've got to have billions of years to make it work. That's exactly right. And Darwin built his his biological theory for the origin of living things on the same assumptions that were used to develop the the millions of years idea. Let me ask you a question about uh, the academy, the schools, and what we teach our next generation. Because in the in the elementary schools, I mean, we definitely have a long way to go in getting any kind of fairness presented. And at the university level, it's just a battle right now. I mean, Peter Singer says, well, the science supports evolution, but there is so much science on the side of creation, and yet uh, it's so hard for many academics to even acknowledge it. Yeah, well, it's censored out of the uh, academic curriculum. Um, it's very, very difficult in the uh, grade school through high school because the ACLU is mm -hmm. sitting in the wings to sue any school board or principal that allows anything. There, I've I've had seven debates with evolutionists on university campuses, so, and I've spoken in some classrooms, so there's a, a little bit uh, more opportunity there, but um, still, it's... Uh, it's really censorship and indoctrination that's going on in our schools. Uh, let me ask you this, Dr. Mortensen. We're kind of closing out here. Final question. Uh, what is the role of uh, the intelligent design movement, in your view, in apologetics? What are its strengths, and what are its limitations? Because we're very familiar with that movement, but also with uh, Answers in Genesis and Henry Morris and his organization. We've had him on the program. I'd just like your take on how far intelligent design can take us, but, you know, what are the limits of that movement? Well, um, the ID movement has uh, produced some very powerful arguments related to recognizing design in, uh, in creation as opposed to what blind chance natural processes can accomplish. They have done a good work of uh, bringing to people's attention the weaknesses of the Darwinian theory. So we, we appreciate that contribution. But the movement is, is fundamentally flawed, um, I think, because it, one, ignores the age of the earth. Most people, leaders in the ID movement, insist that the age of the earth is a side issue. And secondly, they um, ignore the biblical text. They don't want to bring the Bible into the discussion. 
But this very strategy of ignoring the age of the earth and ignoring the scriptures in the debate uh, was tried 200 years ago with uh, a lot of literature written called natural theology trying to right. uh, defend the existence of God against the, the threat of atheism. And it, it failed because, I believe, because it was divorced from Scripture and it, it divorced the age of the earth argument from the creation argument. Well, we're out of time, Dr. Terry Mortensen. Uh, the website is AnswersInGenesis.org. AnswersInGenesis.org. The conference is October 26-27 at Richland Baptist Church. Thank you for being with us. Good to be with you, Dr. Johnson. Well, when we come back, I will talk about intelligent design versus creation science, and we'll talk about Disney removing God from the Ten Commandments. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Have you heard about this wonderful new movie, uh, Moses and the Ten Commandments? It's a Disney production. I've heard that it's family-friendly, biblical-friendly, and I've got a lot of good friends who've uh, been in on the project, and they say it is wonderful. But it's very interesting. Here's an email. Listen carefully. Our broadcast standards and procedures said, Both scripts need to include the studio mention and omit the following line, chosen by God. Now that's an email to Promenade Media from Radio Disney Network sales associate Jason Atkinson. Here's what was happening, Penna. In essence, the promos for this movie uh, included the phrase chosen by God and they're saying, well, let's. we don't want God <laughs> in the promo. And uh, we're going to follow up on this story. Um, but I've I've heard good news about what's happening at Disney, a new leadership mm-hmm. there. Well, it's interesting. The uh, spokesperson from Promenade Media said uh, God is the main character in our movie, so <laughs> they want to leave it out of the promo. That's sort of disingenuous. Yeah. Well, but yes, uh, at Disney, the new leadership at Disney is basically a lot of Christians there. And um, I've heard that they have said that the era of Michael Eisner is over. Um, you know, for years and years, we criticized Disney because they were supposed to be the family organization, but so much trash and garbage and unfamily friendly stuff was coming out. And it's great to see Disney coming out with movies like this Ten Commandments animated feature. Well, we're going to look a little deeper into this story mm-hmm. and get back with you on who did what and why. But it does um, underscore an important 
concern that we've raised again and again on this program, and that is kicking God out of the public square and uh, the bias against God. And we were just talking about creation and evolution. Singer wants to do ethics without God, and there are a lot of scientists that want to do science without God. And I promised that I would talk a little bit more about the intelligent design movement. My assessment is this. We have... Christians who are very involved in the intelligent design movement. We have others who are involved in uh, the creationist movement, the biblical creation movement. And I want to say this. The intelligent design movement is valid, but it has limitations. And we need to recognize, though, the intelligent design movement has a negative apologetics Agenda. What do I mean by that? That it's bad? No. What I mean by that is it has one assignment. Intelligent design refutes Darwinian evolution on its own terms. That is, the intelligent design movement takes Darwinian science and methods and, in a boomerang, jujitsu kind of a way, turns that back against to refute Darwinism on its own terms. I hope you would see there, though, the limitation of the intelligent design movement. That is... What is left in the place of Darwinian evolution once you shoot it down? That is, the intelligent design movement can give no positive teaching about the question, what is man? That is, are we created in God's image? You're only going to find that in the Bible. You're going to only find that in the creationist uh, camp, in the biblical creation sort of a model. And that is to, to know, who are we? Why are we here? What is the meaning and purpose of life? Where are we going? You're only going to have that with biblical creation. So know the strengths uh, of the ID movement, but also its limitations, its weaknesses. You know, a lot of people equate the two. They say ID is creationism, but ID explicitly leaves out any mention of the Bible or even saying who this designer would be, who God is. So in a sense, the ID movement denies God uh, if you take it too far. Or it stops at a certain point. It doesn't deny God. I don't think it denies God, Pena, but what it does is it just leaves that as an open question. Right, right, right. And, of course, that's not enough for people to know who they are, why they're here, what is the purpose and meaning of life. And certainly they would know nothing about Jesus Christ and the cross and the resurrection. So the the limitations of the ID movement um, are there. But uh, Would you has, say it has its place? It has its place, a proper place, that is, to refute evolution on its own terms. And, uh, and I think, uh, but I think the folks in the ID movement need to recognize those limitations. And as Christians, uh, there is a time then then you go further and you build on that. And you have to proclaim the gospel. You have to proclaim the biblical creation message found in Genesis. Otherwise, people still don't know who they are and why they're here. Well, President Bush today gave a press conference in the Rose Garden, and uh, at the White House, that is. And one of the things he talked about was Turkey. Have you heard Turkey's uh, Congress has now approved uh, the notion of them invading Iran Uh, Iraq, excuse me, to fight the Kurds. Here's President's view of that proposal. We are making it very clear to Turkey that we don't think it is in their interests to send uh, troops into Iraq. Actually, they have troops already stationed in Iraq. And they've had troops stationed there for quite a while. We don't think it's in their interests to send more troops in. All right, the Middle East is a tinderbox right now. And tomorrow night, we are going to have former U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, John Bolton. He just left office about six months ago, 
And he was so prophetic in what he said about North Korea, what he had to say about China, what he's had to say about Iran. And remember, the president said today at that press conference that we're going to have World War III if Iran goes nuclear. Why would he say that? Because Vladimir Putin is threatening, threatening us if we launch an attack against Iran. Why would he say that? Because there are a lot of these Islamic... um, jihadists that um, are going to side with Iran. And we're going to have a, a conflagration over there if, if there's not some kind of a breakthrough. We're going to talk to U.N. Ambassador from the United States, former John Bolton, will be here tomorrow night. Ann, Ann Coulter. Have you been reading about Ann Coulter? Ann, uh, every time she writes a book, Penna, she seems to uh, stir it up, doesn't she? She usually has at least one zinger that uh, the media gets a hold of. Well, she has said uh, in the last week that uh, Jewish people need to be perfected and receive Jesus as Messiah. She didn't say it quite like she that. She basically says she hopes Jews become Christians. And she does. And that was an absolute outrage, and of course, it uh, that story has legs. We're going to talk to her about that uh, that statement tomorrow. But all, and we'll look at that from the Bible and the Christian worldview. But she's written this book, you know, that basically says, you know, if Democrats had brains, they'd become Republicans. So we're going to talk about that uh, sort of a comment, and um, we are going to challenge her on some of the statements she's made in the media over the past few years. But the fact is this, we are created in God's image, and there is a problem, and it's the sin problem. Jews have it, Gentiles have it, everybody has it. And we cannot be who God created us to be with that sin problem. We can't know God in this life or in the life to come. There is a sin debt between us and God. And that's what the good news of Jesus Christ is all about. He died on that cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He was buried. He was raised again in resurrection on the third day. He was seen by hundreds. If we acknowledge our sin and our need of Jesus and we receive Him, we can be forgiven. We can be changed. Look to Jesus today. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.